What you want? We've got a mighty hard to listen, but it makes your rage glisten. Our voice is about the games, and you know we talk about the latest goings, more so than any other, and our mountain west matters. Well, will you? You listen to this podcast too. And you, you rant about this podcast too. Just a side where German analyze some matches and kiss between the bridges. We do some good interviews. And you know from Fresno all the way to Boise, from Logan down to Aston, they're calling out our name. Where will you? You listen to this podcast too. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire College Football Edition podcast. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly. We're going with the Lobos this week. People have spoken. We're back to the Mountain Division. It could be a good one. Of course, it's Football Bob, right? One of the most entertaining teams to watch in the country, according to Sports on Earth. I would, could I take credit for that? Because I've been on the Lobos bandwagon for like three years. I'll allow it. If I had to pick a team, and people should know this, any team in the conference, I probably root hardest for the the New Mexico Lobos. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's there is cool storage because you know I don't think we need to rehash it in, in a lot of detail, but they were kind of in the wilderness for a long time. And Bob Davey has really done a remarkable job in his tenure there at Albuquerque. He's really turned this program around. You know, the next step really is, you know, now that they've been winning eight, nine games a year for the past couple of years, can they take that last step and capture a division title? We'll see. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, when this podcast is released... What percentage should I say of our website actually being ready? 90? Here's the deal. We're at collegefootballnews.com right now. If you go to collegefootballnews.com backslash MWCWire, there's a page for us there. By the time you listen to this, there may or may not be articles on that page. Can't guarantee that at the moment. We're leaning toward yes as we record this. And... Actually, when we, we put this out there, we'll be in Las Vegas, hopefully getting everything done on this little venture we're doing here. So check us out there, collegefootballnews.com backslash MWCWire. I think we'll have MWCWire.com in the future, but you'll find our stuff. We'll be on the front page of collegefootballnews.com because with 15 writers, we're going to flood the front page for the most part. So hope you like us, oh, <laughs> College yeah. Football News listeners. Well, if you're with us now, you probably like us. 
True. So for those new people who stumble across our page who check out collegefootballnews.com, welcome, and this is our show. We talk about the Mountain West, and there will be basketball sometimes. Not with you and me, of course. Me, You are football, typically. Me and Eli Becker do hoops, but if you're joining us for the first time, great. We're on um, Blog Talk Radio, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on TuneIn. I may get back to posting this stuff on YouTube, but we will see. And... Of course, we will still have our stuff at patreon.com backslash MWCWire. Shout out to everybody who's given us a couple bucks so far. So we, we'll give you we'll give those proper shout outs at the end because I forgot last week. So I apologize to those people. But going to give us, um, like we say, give up the guacamole. Even though it's pretty tough for us to give up guacamole. If you give up guacamole one, on one burrito a week or one a month, it's kind of slide that change to us in the tip jar, right? For as little as $1, you can help participate in some pretty cool stuff that we've got going on right now. Of course. And everything we do, like 97% at least, will be complimentary. But this will be things like we're doing our... We'll have this in one of our shows for our big preview show. We're doing in a couple... Probably two weeks before the season, middle of August, late August. We're doing things like you can help us do our power poll. You can help us do the like the most interesting games like so instead of doing ranking every non-conference game because that's kind of ridiculous especially in july give us seven games give us 10 games give us three games in league out of league give us your favorite games we're going to put a basically a ranking um top x college a non-conference games so you could be part of that for a couple bucks a month we're going to now also have an ad-free podcast which if you subscribe for a, a dollar level or above you will strip out any ads we have even though people people may care about that people may not if you listen obviously that's the best way to help us out but if you want a version without whatever geico ad or whatever ad we do throughout the show they'll be taken away so that's our gift to you as we discuss everything mountain west you ready for football bob i am always ready for football bob everybody's ready this as i said this team we ever since We'll rehash for about two seconds here. Whenever they almost beat Boise State in their first year, I've always been on this team because the Bob Davey hire a couple years ago was kind of out of the blue because he is with ESPN for nearly a decade, didn't do all that great at Notre Dame, and also known for a defensive coach. He comes here, and he does what any smart coach would do. Let's see, talent, limited because Mike Loxley just crushed a program. What do you counter... Um, talent versus offense. Well, wishbone, triple option, run option, or the opposite way. You do five wide air raid. They chose to go ground attack. And they bring in the offensive coordinator or head coach from Stephen Austin, and now they're off and running in, averaging nearly eight yards per carry. <laughs> well, let's not forget, last year, you know, they won nine games. But there were at least a couple of those losses that they have that they probably should have won in the non-conference schedule. Like they lost kind of a puzzler. I believe that was on the road against New Mexico State, their rival. And then I watched that game they had against Rutgers last year and they just kind of lost it in the second half. And they probably should have won that game too. Well, and also no Terry and Gibson in that game also. That's also true. And he's the guy averaging eight yards a carry just about. And and like I said, like is it is this the year where they finally break through and reach you know, reach their ceiling, reach that division title? Or have they already peaked? 
I would say uh, the offense, it's going to be fine. Like there's like, if you look at, we've done a couple of our preview position previews, uh, kind of season previews, like early games, like they play Texas A&M. We previewed them. We previewed some of the positions for, excuse me, for the Lobos there. Offensively, they're going to be fine. Like, yeah, they lose uh, Terry Gibson, but they still have Tyron Owens, eight yards per carry. Pretty good. They have uh, Richard Lamar Jordan, quarterback, six and a half yards per carry, 739 yards. Uh, Richard McCorley, 656 yards, 18 touchdowns. As basically the third running back. And now is good for top five in the conference last year. There'll be some guy we never heard of come out of nowhere. Like maybe Daryl Chestnut will get back in there for some more carries. Dequan Woodhouse. Maybe he'll have 850 yards. Austin Apodeca, the back. Well, he's not there, but he is a backup quarterback. An actual thrower. Average six yards a carry. It's, it doesn't matter who's back there. They will run the ball and run the ball well. Yeah, and I mean, and there were like three or four guys on that depth chart that you didn't even mention. It's kind of obscene just how many running backs with promise, I might add, that they actually have on this team. Because it's not just Owens and McCorley and Chestnut, who probably will be the big three this year. You know, but, you know, you mentioned Woodhouse. He averaged over eight and a half yards per carry. And even beyond them, they were getting back Romel Jordan, who missed all of last year with an ACL injury. And they've got, you know, two former three-star backs that they brought in, I believe, in 2016. Uh, Dave, uh, Davon Vigilant, uh, Kentrail Moran. I mean, that's like, what, seven, eight guys right there? And with the, when this offense is as efficient as it was last year, it wouldn't be a surprise to see all of those guys average five, at least five yards a carry. Like, I don't think they're going to be number one in the country again that year, next year. But that's not that's not any kind of disrespect to the Lobos. That's just kind of like I feel like there's going to be some kind of regression to the mean. You know, even if they're only as good as they were in 2015, they still averaged as a team over five yards of carry, which is pretty good. To me, the question is, if we think there is going to be some regression – how much do we think it's going to be like are they still going to be a top 10 running offense a top 20 running offense like what do you think well they bring back majority of their offensive line as well that's they do lose reno henderson's a pretty big deal he's their left tackle but they have a lot of starting experience back they bring back let's see four players who started the game last year seven or more games they do lose a couple starters but they're experienced on the offensive line and then if you look who like beyond the guys who started, they're sort of young. Like you got a junior or senior back there, like Ray Baylor, a couple of guys who haven't really played, but they're upperclassmen, a couple of younger guys as well, but they've been in the program for a for a little bit here and there. But I think the offensive line can make up for like Terry with um Terry Gibson being gone. Because he was he like I say, he didn't even lead the team in touchdowns last year. Like Richard McCorley had four less carries, but had five more touchdowns. Well, yeah, he was very clearly their short yardage back. Yeah. Still, short yardage back, getting five yards, four and a half yards per carry. Yes, please. I'll take that. As anybody would say, like, yeah, he would be, geez, there, I don't, I don't see a step back. Like, I, well, okay. It's hard to say because you lose 1,200 yards. That's a big deal. 13 touchdowns. But overall, like, look what they've done the past couple of years. They've always just been near the top of the conference. Like, ever since Davies taken over running the ball, it's, it's usually Air Force them and nationally it's like navy army air force to mexico 
and then some other national power that just does very good running the ball. Like since 2013, they've been either one or two in the Mountain West. Since 2012, excuse me, they've been one or two in the Mountain West. Because look at this. If you go back to board, this is kind of interesting to go back a little bit. In 2011, Michael Oxley's last year, New Mexico averaged 3.35 yards per carry, 10 total touchdowns. That's terrible. Twenty. They went from, from 1,358 yards in 2011 to 2012, first year with Bob Davey, to 3,916 yards and 34 touchdowns. That's a lot. And so it is the scheme, clearly, but they also have talented players. Like year one, okay, we're going to run something unique nobody sees because their offense, if you... Like I told people, watch this offense. It's just so unique. It's diamond set. It's pistol. It's veer option. It's run option. They'll do the occasional jet sweep. Not a ton, but a little bit. This offense, like it's hard to plan for this offense. That's why you see, like when they played Boise State year one, they nearly beat them. They've upset them before. It takes a great game to do it, but they're just, they're not going to be held back. They're going to get the yards no matter what. So the key when you're playing against them is to, we always say when you play Air Force, or when Air Force plays Navy, don't give up that 50-yard run. Let them get five yards of carry, but don't let them get that giant run. And Lobos always seem to, almost every game, find that giant run. Yeah, and I mean, I think especially last year, I'm trying to find the number, the team numbers for long-running plays, but I'm pretty sure they were near the top of the country. They had, okay, I correct myself. They were number one in 10-yard running plays. And they were also number one in 20-yard running plays and 30-yard running plays. And you get my drift. They were the most explosive running offense in the country this last year. If they aren't number one again, though, like where do you think they need to be at a minimum to to maintain their position as a competitor for the Mountain West title? Who title? Well, let me go back to what I mentioned earlier. In 2012, year one of that system, na- this is nationally, yards per carry. Number In 2012, the first year of the system, third nationally, yards per carry. 2013, six. They were top 10. They were fourth in 2015. So they give them, I think, top 10 every year. They were, um, well, 2015, they were a slight step back. They are actually 16th in a yards per carry, but that's still over five yards per carry. So they've been a top 20 rushing team per attempt every single year Bob Davies has been there. And I don't see why that would change too much. Like 2015 was their bad year. And that was the year they had good talent there. That makes sense. And there's <laughs> number 2012 was their first year in system. Number three in the country yards per carry. It's like five, 5.6 there. It's not going to take a step back. They're probably going to average five yards per carry minimum. I think that's where they're like 2014. They, Look at what they did then. They're well over, uh, let's see, 6.36. If they get, I think 5.3 is probably their baseline because every year beyond that, they're at least six yards per carry. Every year but uh, 2015, it looks like, if I'm correct here. There's no slowing them down. That's all I'm saying, man. They're going to run and run and run. So then what I think is more interesting, maybe than the fact that they have so many running backs coming back or you know possibly emergent running backs behind them in the backfield, is they have nearly all of their receivers coming back as well. Like Damian Gamblin, of course, graduated. He's not there anymore. But Patrick Reed is back. You know, he averaged 16, you know, almost 17 yards of catch last year. Q Drennan only caught 11 passes, but he had over 25 yards of catch. You know, Mac. So is Q his actual first name? Is that correct? That's what he does on the roster. That's 
what I'm assuming his name is. That's kind of interesting. Just curious. Hey, hey, more power to him. I mean, if he's averaging, judge just if he's averaging that many yards per catch, you can call him whatever you want. Exactly. But it's it's really interesting and, that they have like literally all of their leading receivers except for Gamblin coming back. Well, but they also get back Delane Hart Johnson, who missed last year. That too. And so Maybe I think he'll just take Gamblin's spot, and there you go. And so I think the more interesting question is. You know, they have everybody coming back in the backfield. They have pretty much everybody coming back outside. Can Lamar Jordan take that last step? Because, you know, by the numbers, in a lot of respects, last year was his best year as a passer. You know, he, you know, granted was only 53%, you know, throwing the football as far as completing his passes, but he averaged over nine yards per attempt. And his, you know, touchdown to interception ratio was actually better than one to one for the first time since 2014. So my question is, like, if we know that he's a dangerous runner, can he improve just enough as a passer to make this offense really special? Well, it depends because last year him and Austin Abadaka split time. Yeah. And it was more along the lines when Abadaka comes in, you know, it's going to be a pass. So defense can, defenses can prepare. It's like, oh, he's going to pass. Let's either bring the house or drop nine guys mm-hmm. and make him find that hole somewhere if there is one. So there's that. And they did lose the one watch, lost to transfer during spring, so he's gone. Uh, Tavika Tuitau? Tuiti? Tavika. He's the backup Richard Freshman. They brought in like guys like Cameron Birdston to come in as well, or who's a transfer. Is he from Arizona State? I want to say is that correct? Uh, I believe he was at a community college. I know he was a Fresno State target as oh. well. Okay, I thought they brought in a guy from Arizona. Oh, maybe that was Apodaca. Maybe that was it. But they've brought in some guys. Like he's a yeah, um, yeah, Contra Costa College. That's where he's at. So they have a couple a couple guys back there, but I don't know. From spring ball, it's going to be those two guys starting the starter backup. It, I, like I've said this for years, when they had whoever, um, who was the quarterback? He moved a tight end a couple last year, two years ago. Um, Cole Gauchy. Yeah, Cole Gauchy, that's right. I've always said, if you had, and he ran the offense pretty well. I've always said, and I maintain this, if Lobos can get a quarterback that can pre- not pretend to throw, but have the appearance of being able to throw well or reasonably enough, that would make this team so much better. It's similar to what I say with San Diego State. If they've had an above-average passing game, they would be the best team in Group of Five. At top, they'd be like Western Michigan last year. They'd be a top ten team if they could throw the ball downfield to complement when they had Donald Pumphrey and now Rashard Penny. And that's why I think with the low boys to a smaller extent, get a guy who can throw the ball. Complete. I don't care if he throws only eighty times a, eighty times a season. Like he threw seventy-five last year for Lamar Jordan. Yeah. Maybe he gets that to a hundred. If he could complete sixty percent of his passes. Six out of ten, that's fine. If he goes six of ten every game, perfect. I would take that. Go five of nine. That's all what they need him to do with his running ability. But I don't know if he can do that. That's the problem. We, If they stick with him and let him be the guy, the offense probably could be better because they're not pulling in the backup to a throwing situation. But if he's a four-down quarterback or three, whatever you want to call it, three-down quarterback, the guy rarely coming out for any reason outside of injury or just some a couple of wildcat plays or something like that to put in Lawson or maybe they stick the running back in there sometimes like Gibson would play the wildcat position a bit here and there. Maybe if that if he's the guy, even if he throws these has these same type of numbers, they'll be more efficient somewhere else because defenses won't. They know he can throw a little bit. They'll still probably 
set their scheme to say, okay, we know he's not a great thrower. So like I said before, they'll either blitz if they feel like they want to bring everybody or drop everybody. Both him, but if he's the guy every time and he throws good enough, they can't just you know what I'm getting. They can't just stick to this one plan where we're going to make him beat you because they know he can run the ball and he can get out of the sack situations. But if he's the maybe I'm not making sense, but if he's the guy every down, defenses can't you can't make it easy on defenses where oh the pass is coming in we're gonna drop nine guys. They just have to play whatever the situation is. If it's third and ten, you got to assume he's gonna pass. You get my drift. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, sort of. Kind of. If, if Lamar Jordan can complete sixty percent of his passes, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that New Mexico is like the most dangerous team in the conference at that point. Ooh, that's Matt K underscore FS there, folks. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, if you just look at what the numbers have looked like in the three or four years with this triple option offense, like that's a huge leap forward because as a team, they were only they were a shade under fifty four percent last year. But, you know, by quarterback rating, it was by far their best year in Davies' offense. They were actually middle of the pack as far as that's concerned. And more importantly, you know, he was more, he was better able to take care of the football as a passer than he was, or than New Mexico was in the years which preceded it. Like in 2015, as a team, they threw 14 interceptions. Last year, it was only six. And I think in that regard, what you're trying to do is emulate an offense, you know, it's it's an easy comparison to make, but like Air Force, for instance, they were, you know, in 2015, they had 12 interceptions last year. They only had eight and they were a lot better for it. You know, Arian Worthman under center only had two interceptions when he took over the offense. To me, I think that, you know, if you are Lamar Jordan, like if you can, <laughs> I mean, I don't think he will. But even if he improves it by like two or three percentage points, what that means in this offense is essentially that he's connecting on one or two more home run passes per game. And if he's doing that, you know, then you're talking about an offense that could score, you know, 35, 40 points almost at will, I'd say. You think so? You think that's the case? I mean, if he's completing, you know, 56, 57 percent of his passes, absolutely. Because he's never done so, that, and if he can do that, then that makes them incredibly dangerous. It definitely does. It's this. It's it's the same old story. The Mexico, if they could pass a little bit, they'll be a good team. Yeah, I mean a better team because the past didn't they? They I know they they tied last year for the division, the three way tie. Didn't they tie a year before as well for the? I division? believe so. Yeah. So like they're they've been one or two, literally a couple plays away from winning the division, and. They play they play San Diego State. That'd give them fits, just because what they do. They could. It's okay. This might sound like be Homer or hating Aztecs or something else, but there are uh, let's say it's a dozen plays for potentially being back to back conference champs. When you tie for the division and you're one couple plays when you lose a game to Boise State or whomever, you're right there. And when you look at their, like, I'm going to compare this to Air Force really quick. I'm, I thought of this on the fly. He said their passing percentage, like, as a quarterback, as a team last year, they were just, un, like, just under 54%. Yeah. Air Force last year was only 45% passing the ball as a team. That was a combination of Nate Romine and Aaron Worthman. And if you look at Air Force the year before, 2015, they were 51%. 2014, they were um, 56% in 2014. And so they're, like, getting to maybe 60%, like, Maybe you're right. Getting to that 57% range, 58% range would be like I 
killer for them. Like I said, they have the offense to be that much more efficient because a couple percentage points here or there, and for a triple option team, like usually you don't pass very well like New Mexico's not doing, but if 58%, maybe 60 is too high. Maybe 58% is where you need to be because if you look at Navy, like all these triple option teams, they were 59% last year. When they had Keenan um, Reynolds, they were only 52% with Keenan Reynolds as a senior passing the ball, and he threw for 1,200 yards. Keenan Reynolds only threw com- completed 46% of his passes in 2014. Navy was only 48% completing passes. So seeing where Jordan's at compared to other like run-based attacks, it's not too bad. He just doesn't throw enough. So maybe if he gets those 160, 150 attempts and he's still at 54%, maybe that's all he needs. And he gets maybe from just add him and Jordan and Apodaca stats together. Maybe he can go up two percentage points, maybe 15 touchdowns to five interceptions. It only takes a little bit of improvement in this passing game to have this offense explode, like he said, because it's all based on the running game. But if you could pass just enough, just slightly better than what people expect you to, they can surprise some teams. I don't know if they will, but that's their success in offense because we'll get the defense in a minute, but they got to score a lot of points to um, get victories this year. Definitely. But the receiving group, they they have guys there, and it's Jordan's experience, so hopefully he's been in there long enough that they can get stuff done. And I, I have no doubt the offense will be efficient, running the ball, and scoring a lot of points. Defense? Defensive time already? Okay. (laughs) So, they lose pretty much everybody off of bad defense. There you go. That's terrible. Um, (laughs) Losing the amount of starters they did, like, I've read everywhere, like, from Bill Connell, you look at Phil Steele, you look at all these previews from everybody. The concern, rightfully so, is on the defense because of who they lost. Like, looking at, like, returning talent, like, Dakota Cox is gone, Donnie White, Maurice Daniels, all their... The whole secondary is gone. They do bring the guys who played a lot in secondary, but they lose so much production. And like I said, defense, that was um, not good. And I'm being kind of nice on that. Not very good. Average, I guess, last year. So then let's start with this question. Like which unit, even despite the losses, do you think you expect to be a strength of this part of, of, of this side of the ball? Um, I would say I'm not the linebacking group. I'll lock them out right away. I could maybe the secondary. Okay, so that's an interesting thought. Because look at how many plays that players have back. Like they have forty guy, guys who played at least forty games last year, just about. Yeah, but on the on the flip side, they're losing you know four of their five guys from that three three five. True. You yeah. know the five and the three three five. You know Jaden Boatwright could be pretty good. I think you know Jake Rothschiller. I think has been a pretty solid contributor in the past. You know, you're losing both of your starting safeties and you're losing at least one of your starting cornerbacks in a division, especially that, you know, more so this year than last year, I think, is going to be ruled by really good quarterbacks. So I'm interested in why you feel that way. I just mean the depth that coming back. That's what I'm getting at. Like, look at who's mm-hmm. returning. Because the defensive line, like, I kind of spaced for a moment. They did a 3-3-5. Defensive line... They have a lot of guys back, but I'm just thinking like the amount of players they have returning, and they're all upperclassmen as well. That that that's kind of my, that's my point. Like they have it's like if you look at the linebacking group who's coming back, they bring back 
yeah, 39 guys who played a game last year overall for three players. Defensive line brings a decent amount back. I guess I would say the defensive line, but if you look at the bottom guys who guys who were returning last year, oh, this guy's just one tackle. This guy's just eight total tackles. Whereas the secondary guys are coming back who have like interceptions, multiple pass breakups. And so with a three three five, you're playing a lot of guys. And like I said, upperclassmen is why I think this could be their strongest unit. But it's between linebackers and secondary, I think. is Or, excuse me, defensive line and secondary. See, I think, I mean, I think the linebackers are probably in a little bit better shape than the other two units just because of the fact that they have a guy like Kimmy Carson coming back in the middle. Who, you know, obviously guys like Cox and Nick Diavonzo got a lot of shine last year. But of the guys they have coming back, no one was more productive than he was last year. To me, the question is, you know, is he going to be the guy at middle linebacker who can be, you know, a pass rushing force that was, you know, a little bit better last year than it was the year before? Like, they weren't great at rushing the passer last year. They were, you know, middle of the pack. But it was, you know... You know, it was better than I think we thought it would be, their ability to rush the passer. So is he going to be that guy, or is it going to be one of those guys flanking him on the outside? Probably, you know, someone like Austin Ocasio or Alex Hart, who played in spot duty last year, but now they're stepping into these roles where, you know, Cox and Diavonso really shined last year. All right, so I don't know if you have this up or not looking at it. Do you know who the only New Mexico defender on Athens four deep all-conference team I is? believe that would be defensive end Garrett Hughes, if I'm not mistaken. That's it. Out of the four team deep, going forty four players, they have one guy on that list. Well, you know, he was pretty good last year. I don't blame him. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not. I'm this not to dispute Hughes's ability. I'm just saying overall, that's what my point is. They're losing. They don't have that great of a defense. And I know last year I kind of misspoke on their some of their stuff, but they still gave up thirty one points per game last year, and that was um, what eighth in the conference. And they're losing a lot of guys off that team. They're middle of pack in all the other categories, like yards per play, yards per game, every other statistical category. They're just okay. And people, I, I read in what people say, oh, they're terrible last year. And I, I fell into that trap as well. They weren't terrible. They were just, they did get better from 15 to 16. Because if you look at 15, they, um, well, actually, points per game was not a good example, but they did improve slightly in other categories. Like 14, they gave up 36 points per game. They improved a little bit in certain here and there, but I'm reading what people kind of like us have fallen into my trap. Well, they weren't very good last year. They're losing X amount of starters, half their team, all these guys like Dakota Cox. But I, it's, I, I have a hard time saying it'll be just as good as last year. I think there'll be some sort of regression. It kind of depends on what numbers you trust or what numbers you look at. Like if you go, for instance, by you know the points per trip they allowed every time the opponent went inside the 40-yard line, they were 120th nationally, which is bad. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There's only 128 teams last year. Now there's 130 that is this year. I believe, yeah, with uh, UAB and Coastal Carolina. Yeah, and I mean, up. they were you know middle of the pack in efficiency, middle of the pack, you know, starting uh, opponent's field position. But what I said a little bit ago about, you know, long scrimmage plays on offense... I'm going to flip that around for a second, and yes. I'm going to tell you that New Mexico on defense was last in the conference in 10-yard plays allowed. 
They were last in the conference in 20-yard plays allowed. They were last in the conference in 30-yard plays allowed. <laughs> so on and so forth. You get the idea. Did most of us come in that Boise State game where Brett Ripon just tore them apart? Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe. I'm just saying, like, you know, it it really wasn't good. Um, or actually, you know what? I was looking at 2015. But the point remains the same because they were last in 10 years. <laughs> What am I looking at right now? Okay, never mind. Scratch everything I just said. I was looking at the wrong thing. They gave up a lot of points last year regardless. And there were big plays. Like, if you do go to that Boise State game, they lost 49-21. to 21. Nobody showed up. Brett Rippon threw five touchdown passes against his team. He averaged uh, 13 yards an attempt. He just um, did, every, like, Spurback and Wilson, deep passing threats, 50-plus yard touchdown passes in that game. And... They, they, it's no, it's no, it's no um, shame or not knowing what this is because we know what they do. It's like getting exact numbers, whatever. They played um, Tulsa. Didn't they play Tulsa last year? And they just got steamrolled versus Tulsa. You know how that is, unfortunately. Actually, they didn't play Tulsa last year. Oh, wait. I thought they played a lot. Was that two been, years yeah. ago then? Am I, am I stuck on 2015 might as be, well? Yeah. <laughs> like you were. <laughs> yeah, it was last year, the, the 2015 one. Yeah, so there's – it's. It's hard to hey, it's hard to get the defense right and to give them so many points, right? What what's your favorite forty point loss to New Mexico? Come on, who gives up that many points? I think, but the truth remains the same. Like they lost a lot of talent, and who's going to be the guy to step up? Like, like you said, they lose most of their um, secondary in that three through five. The good thing about that is with this three through five defense, which we've seen with San Diego State and TCU and other schools that are mixing it in, that you can disguise coverages, bring in different players to play. Like the San Diego State has that Aztec position. Is that where Parker um, Parker Baldwin? What's his name? Um, Parker Baldwin. I'll think of somebody else. He plays that position. Who knows? Who I'm not entirely sure sure who that who that will be this year because um, it's not really listed on their um, depth chart or anything at the moment. Lee Crosby was that guy last year, but with that scheme, that can help out to um, kind of help just not mitigate, but they're going to give a point to maybe lessen the blow, I guess, if that's being too kind or harsh, but... Well, I think when you... It's going to... It's got to be... These guys score points. That's the thing. The de- I don't trust... Here's the thing. To me, I don't trust this defense to hold the team to, say, 21 points. That's a fair argument. Because they gave up 31 per mm-hmm. game last year. <laughs> so, what would, for you, what would be a successful defense? Oh, man. Um... I mean, I think for me, a successful defense is one that can creep just under 30 points a lot per game. When's the last time they've done that? Do you know? Well, okay. So by by comparison, last year they were at 31.5. And they actually did do that in 2015 when they allowed only 28.4 points per game. That's right. I did mention because that you know if they can't, then there's going to be a lot of pressure on the offense to try to outscore people, which you know I don't think in some respects is going to be that much of a problem against some of the conference's softer defenses. But you know when you're going up against a Boise State or Wyoming or Colorado State in this division, you're going to need to make stops at one point or another. Otherwise, things could get out of hand pretty quickly. Let's just hope it doesn't revert to 2013. They gave up 42.8 points per game. I don't think that that's likely. I I hope not. Yeah, they that 
yeah, they they're right they're right around that thirty point range, like outside of twenty thirteen, and then a twenty fourteen where they were at uh, thirty five. They've been three of the last five years. They've been about thirty points. So if they can get to like twenty seven, that that could be a big difference. But I their defense has never been good, so that's why I'm kind of stumbling about what's oh this guy's going to be fine. They'll step up. One one good positive I will say on the defense: a lot of the guys that are coming back are upperclassmen. So you look at the defensive line: Garrett Hughes, senior; uh, uh, Kenny Okwano, senior; Cody Baker, junior; like Johnny Williams, junior. All the defensive lines, upperclassmen, a couple of redshirt freshmen who'll probably maybe get into rotation. Highly recruited guys like uh, Tenton Salty mm-hmm. there. Linebacking group, same thing. Everybody's back outside of uh, Rashawn Epstein, junior or higher. Secondary, senior, 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 junior, junior, senior. Top six guys, upperclassmen. So maybe that will be something where, hey, we got the experience and they'll finally get the time to shine and maybe the defense will be about what it was last year. That's the biggest takeaway I have from here. They have a lot of experience playing football. And I think one other thing that maybe could fly under the radar that could help this defense take a step forward is if they can improve on their giveaway totals, which from 2014 and 2015 kind of tapered off a little bit, you know, they improved from 19, uh, 19 takeaways to, I'm trying to find the right number, to 25 in 2015. But then last year, they only had 13. You know, they only picked up five fumbles and they only had eight interceptions. So even though there are a lot of guys stepping into full-time roles this time around, you know, if they can turn a few more of those pass defenses that they had last year into interceptions, that could work wonders for this kind of offense. True. Plus the offense, like looking at their total lost, they only lost um, 14 interceptions and fumbles offensively. And that was pretty, that was third in the conference. So they don't give up the ball that much. I think you're right. They need to have the defense increase their, like the interceptions, fumble recoveries, because they were, under total gain last year, they were more the ninth in the conference at only thirteen, so they're minus one, which is about even. That's not too were, bad. But like I said, they can. I was going to say, and they were middle of the pack in passes defensed as well, which I think is a positive sign. Like if you can carry that over from one year to the next with these new guys stepping into these positions, and yeah, and that's the way as well. Where yeah, they may give up a lot of yards, but they can get a timely turnover in the red zone or inside that forty range where they weren't very good. But they still can give up the yards. But if you can get turnovers at the right time, that'll definitely make up and get that offense back in the field. So I, that's where I think upperclassmen will help them experience. And your point, pass breakups into turnovers, get be what plus five. That's that's not too far out of the question. That's just just a six turnover swing. Whether it's like two less interceptions and a couple more interceptions, um, like flip. You know, I mean, protect the ball a tiny bit better, but get the ball from the other team a little bit better. That could be because going from minus one to plus five, plus six, I don't think that's that big of a swing. Is it half a game, maybe half a turnover? I mean, a lot of it is, you know, due to luck. Some of it is skill, like, you know, defending passes is a skill, but like from recovering a fumble is mostly luck. So, you know, maybe it comes down to, I don't know, running into a bad Brett Rippon week or something like that, or Josh Allen overthrowing a receiver, trying to make a play or something like that trying to be Brett Favre. Yeah, and those kinds of things, you know, like I said a minute ago, like, yes, there are good quarterbacks in this division, but we know from experience that those quarterbacks sometimes have bad weeks, and if the Lobos defense can take advantage of that, 
that's what makes them a really interesting team to look out for this year. Exactly. One quick note, we usually don't do a ton of special teams, but there is a little bit here to talk about with them. They have a pretty good punter in Cor- um, Corey Borgerquitz. Borgerquitz? How do you say that? Bor- oh, it's a silent J? Of course oh, it yeah, is. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's Hispanic. Yeah, but it's Corey first name, so... I didn't, Corey B, we'll call him. I was just looking at what he did. Like He had a couple, like, fair catch 13, four touchbacks, nine inside the 20. Pretty impressive. I think he was, uh, was he the all-conference um, punter? No, I believe that was. They put him out there. That was Hayden Hunt. But they. Oh, he's gone this year. No. I'm talking about. Oh, that was probably Michael Carrizosa then. But anyway. Yeah, Michael Carrizosa and even Pentels from uh, UNLV. But they have good good kicking game, which is always important, especially if it's offensive or stalls, who hope not. You got a good guy to get him downfield. And then kick return as well. I'm not sure how much Daryl Chestnut will return on kicks because he'll get more time running the ball. But they do have uh, Elijah Lilly had touchdown. An average twenty eight yards per kick return, and maybe that that could lead to something. That's always pretty good. And a PAT kicker with a Jason Sanders missed one last year. Missed um one PAT was uh what, six to seven six plus from or made all six from forty yards out. So they have some pretty good special teams. So if they stall on offense, their kickers um pretty reliable. So that's always an area to maybe get some cheap points or pin a team back if your offense stumbles for some mm-hmm. reason. So, anything else we need to talk about, or is it time to get to this guy? I think we're good to go with that. All right, let's take a quick timeout, and uh, we'll be back to discuss the Lobos and if we will predict them to um, repeat or as a co-champions again, but still not make the title game. Man, that was a mean introduction to their schedule. In there. Sorry, guys. But not true, right? It's factually correct that they were – Co or tri division champions. Take, they got the, the blink to prove it last year. Cannot take that away from them. So this year, um, so a lot of the projections out there don't have the Lobos winning that many games this year. Have you kind of seen what the over unders have been floating around out there for New Mexico? I know that a lot of them are expecting kind of a deep drop off, and I think a lot of that is driven by their losses on defense. But, but again, their defense wasn't good, so how much of a drop-off is there? I don't know. Right? I'm just saying, that's that's, that's logic, right? They weren't good last year. They lose, all of, they lose a lot of the guys who, who weren't good last year. Not to, not to expect them to be better, but why would they be too much worse? Come on, that's faulty. That's logic. Exactly. Perfect, right? So they start the year off. Um, game number one, I'm trying to pull up my... I actually did fill out my entire rest of the conference win-loss total projection year. So I'm oh, proud of me for that. Says. And it does, does match up with everybody else. I just need to log in and find it at the moment while we're doing this. But they play Abilene Christian week one, home opener, victory, right? Because it's an FCS opponent. Would you expect the defense to give up less than 17 points in this game? Would that make you happy? I mean, even if they don't, I feel like their offense is going to be enough to overwhelm them to the point where if they're not dropping 50 on Abilene Christian, I'm going to be disappointed. Ooh, it takes a lot to get there, man. 50 points? If it's like 50 to 28, I'm not going to be too mad about that. (laughs) 50 to 28. They put the backups in there, right? All right, so I'm still looking at my – I can't find my thing here. Oh, I know where to find it. Never mind. It's under our Patreon post where I added my links there. So I can go there and pull it up. So 
Week two, it's the Rio Grande rivalry. Is that the official name when they play the New Mexico State? Yes, it is. There has to be some sort of payback in this game because New Mexico State should never be, never anymore beat New Mexico, in my opinion. Well, they shouldn't have beat them last year, like I said at the beginning of the show. Of course, yes. They, this game's at home now at, oh, we didn't mention this, it's now Dream Style Stadium. Get that sweet, sweet corporate cash. And by house. the way, if you're in Albuquerque, please go to the games. It's a fun team. And I would go to the games if I had a chance. Exactly, because I remember last year we talked about New Mexico, Boise State. It was in Albuquerque coming off the year where they beat Boise on the blue turf. I get it was poorly timed because it was there's that huge, I'm talking gigantic, monstrous balloon festival, which I've been there once before. Pretty cool. It's crazy to kind of see what's going on. But it was Friday night, not the Saturday morning. But nobody showed up. And that was disappointing. Go to the game. This offense, I don't care if it's not Mike Leach or Texas Tech before or air raid offense. You want to see sling the ball like Cal. This running attack, if you like, it's not even nuance of football. If you want to watch a, who doesn't like to watch a 55-yard run? Right? Who, who doesn't like to watch 45-yard runs? A guy bounce off to a spin move and just go downfield down the sideline. And see what I think the only thing that could make this game interesting is the fact that you know New Mexico State, relative to a lot of other teams in the Sun Belt, has a lot of experience coming back on both sides of the ball. You know they have you know a senior quarterback in Tyler Rogers. They have a senior running back who, when healthy, is pretty good in Larry Rose the third. You know they have all three or all <laughs> their top five rather receivers coming back from last year. They've got you know three starters back on the offensive line. You know so on and so on. They've got a lot coming back, but are they any good? <laughs> like you know, I'm, I'm expecting Rose will probably get his. Yeah, but you know, if this Lobos team wants to be taken seriously, they cannot lose this game again. Like this is kind of like the the South Alabama light, if you will. Yeah, and also isn't this New Mexico State's final year in the Sun Belt? Because they're going to be uh, joining the likes of UMass and BYU as an independent. Yes, that is correct. So, what's your take? Even with all that the production coming back, what do you project this game to be? I mean, honestly, if New Mexico is as good on offense as I think they can be, they should win this by like at least two touchdowns. They're projected as a 6.6 margin of victor per Bill C, 65% chance to win. I, I, think they, I think they'll get it done. Being at home, they, not that they have a huge home field advantage, but this is a is a rival. People show up. It's the first week of school. I believe it's the first week, maybe second week. But it's a winnable game, and you want to – And if they're going – for this year specifically, if they want to go to a bowl game or more – well, not more. It's a, it's a non-conference game, but go to a bowl game, they need to win this mm-hmm. matchup. They have to beat the Aggies. So I'm going to say victory as well. I don't, th- I don't know how convincing if it's a 30-point victory or two-touchdown victory, but I think it'll be – like Rose will keep it close for a little bit, but I, Lobo should – Yeah, I agree. Then they go to Boise State. Um, last year at home, <laughs> we mentioned before, it was a blowout. Five touchdowns by Brett Rippin. I, it's on the blue. They won their last time. So a little bit of motivation for Boise State. But I don't see... I, here's what, 
this will be like every other game. The Mexico will scare the crap out of the Broncos, but I think Boise State will get the victory this time around because even though it's early, early in the season, we still don't know who Boise State is for their running game, really. Who's going to catch the ball after Cedric Wilson and Jake Rowe? Offensive line replacements. So there's a little bit there. They do have David Moe back on defense who will help attack that New Mexico offense attack. But at the end of the day, it's just Boise's is Boise and they're going to win because they're the best player in Burt Rippon. Yeah, I have this one as a Boise State win as well. I think, you know, when you look at what went wrong last year, it was really kind of the Brett Rippon show. You know, he completed 75% of his passes and he had almost 400 yards. You know, and I feel like the overall story for this team going into 2017 is, you know, the offense will be good enough, you know, to, to overwhelm bad defenses. But, you know, when this team runs into another good offense, are they going to be able to outscore them? And against a team like Boise State, which, you know, is probably going to be more balanced, you know, both running and passing the football than just about anybody in the conference, I feel like that's a really bad matchup for them. I don't know that they're going to have enough talent on this defense to really slow down a team like Boise State. I, I don't think they do, but they they're it's gonna be. I don't know if it'll be a blowout like last year because last year was far from the norm in this series since the two joined the conference or been in the same conference, I should say. But it's Boise's gonna win, but it'll be a reasonably close game. So, all right. So when we go to um, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong team here. I have my UNLV schedule for some reason. Next week they go to Tulsa, and here we go. This is the game we're talking about. I guess it took a year off. We saw Tulsa last year. We see what Tulsa could be this year. They're really like what they have back. Like they're it's on their own. I Tulsa's a team where I I mentioned this before. Sorry for rambling there, stumbling, reading some quick note on Tulsa here. But the, I've always been a fan of Philip Montgomery because what he did at Baylor with like Robert Griffin the third. He's now in his third third year over there at Tulsa. He's uh, sixteen and ten wins overall. They had ten wins last year, which is a pretty big deal. That might take a step back, but. I'm predicting, I'll say it right now, I'm predicting, I want New Mexico to go to a bowl game, so maybe I'm being a little bit optimistic, but, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't, <laughs> if I could read my own spreadsheet, I have this as a loss, but this is a game where I projected it two years ago, oh, watch this game, back and forth, Tulsa kind of ran away with it for that big victory, but this could be a game where, if you like offenses, you get your pass offense with Tulsa, you get your running attack with New, with New Mexico, and maybe there's a chance that could something could happen in this game where New Mexico pulls it upset. But right now I'm predicting going with Tulsa to be a victory because, again, this is kind of like facing Boise State again. I mean, the difference between a team like Tulsa and a team like Boise State is, you know, they're, you know the Golden Hurricane are going to have a new quarterback this year, whether it's, you know, Chad President or Will Hefley third, you know, it's the, it's not going to be easy to replace a guy like Dane Evans, who I, uh, you know, regrettably yeah. I saw for myself how good he was, but oh, but even person. if they have to replace their quarterback, they are going to have a very dangerous backfield tandem in D'Angelo Brewer and Ramadi Warren. And you know, I, if I have a question about this New Mexico defense, it's going to be whether they can stop the run. And I feel like with the tempo that Tulsa runs, this is the kind of game that if they're not careful, it could get out of hand really quickly. Like they could be down two scores and all, you know, habitually playing catch up 
to the point where it's like a 49 to 35 final result or something like that. You know, I kind of expect New Mexico to get points against this defense because, you know, they were a little better last year, but they still weren't like among the American Conference's best. But I still have Tulsa winning this game pretty comfortably. Yeah, I, I think they should win. Because, like, look at a couple of things, like at the quarterback situation. It's, if it's going to be, um, so what's his name? Um, sorry, it's re- Chad. Was it Chad's their president? President, correct? yeah. Mr. President, yes, Mr. President, playing for Tulsa, he was only twelve of twenty in the spring game. He has a difficulty uh, like going downfield, from what I saw, for twenty plus yard passes. He's more mobile than Dane Evans, which, if this is going to be what Montgomery did at Baylor, that's a plus. But then again, it's like the backup, even the backup position is questionable. Like you said, you got Will Huffley, or they even have Luke Skipper, a retro freshman who could come in. So this is early enough in the season where, if things aren't going well for Tulsa. Maybe there's a switch up at quarterback. There's something else going on. But even though they how they were one of they were, they were the explosiveness team last year in the American Conference, even with the new quarterback, whoever it is, president or otherwise, or the third taking over at quarterback, they still have the pieces in place to put up offense because it's probably not as plug and play as Baylor was, but they're probably getting there in his third year because they do return their starting running back. In a D'Angelo Brewer, Brewer at fourteen hundred yards last year, they do bring back uh, they do lose their top two receivers, but they have plenty of guys back. Okay. Eighty passes from the top two guys, like I said, Justin Hobbs there. There's there's enough talent where Tulsa will pull away, but this could be like a forty to thirty eight game or something where it's first team to forty wins, thirty five points each could be in this game's future. But Tulsa still re- favored pretty heavily in this game, and that's probably going to be that way. But it's going to be a close one. And again, if you like if you like football, watch this game. <laughs> what else can I say? <laughs> right? Passing, rushing. There you go. You got it all. Then they play Air Force, non Cotton Bowl version. Thank goodness, because the dozens of people last year was not a good sight for the conference. This is one of the more difficult games to figure out because, in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about this more at length when we actually get to our Air Force preview. But they are very similar in the way that they're both losing a lot of production on defense. Obviously, they both run you know similar kinds of option-based offenses. But even more than that, like I went back and I looked at these games for the last you know four or five years or so. Did you realize that four of the last five games between these two teams were within one score? I did not. That's pretty good to know. I mean, this was a back-and-forth matchup last year. It ended up being 45-40, to mostly because, you know, both of these teams ended up running all over each other. And it kind of wouldn't surprise me if it were like that again, because, you know, we don't know what we're really going to get out of Air Force's defense. But I think we can imagine that Arian Worthman and Tim McVeigh and company are probably going to get theirs on the ground. This will be like last year's game, I'm assuming. Both teams, like New Mexico loses at least half their starters. Air Force loses 10 starters defensively. A lot on the offense as well. I think New Mexico's offense will be better in this game because they have, like you said before, the offensive lineman returning, Lamar Jordan, the running back situation is always fine. Whether it's Richard McCory, uh, Owens this year, being that number one, number one guy or whatever you want to call it, 1A through 1D because everybody's a top back. But I think Air Force lost too much. And like I said, we'll talk about them later, but... 
I I pegged this as Lobo's victory. Now, see, I had this one as as a as a New Mexico loss, just because you know I trust Air Force's track record of kind of retooling on the defensive side of the ball more than I trust New Mexico's ability to do so. True, but that that, that makes sense. It wouldn't shock However, me if New Mexico won this game. I feel like it's going to be another one score game, one way or the other. But I have Air Force winning this one. Okay. Fair enough. Next one, they go to Fresno State. Are you going to go to this game, maybe? Watch the Lobos? I will certainly try. Okay, it's at Fresno, and we're actually, our next show is going to be on Fresno State. Is that how the poll turned out, I believe? I believe it is, yes. Sorry, we got the Bulldogs next show, whenever that is, uh, two week, a week from now, whenever you happen to be listening to this. Thank you. It's at Fresno. Um,. Would you be hard pressed to believe that Fresno is the favorite in this game? I <laughs> uh, th- that does kind of surprise me. Yes, <laughs> it's at Fresno. Is that the difference being at the Valley Probably. there? Probably. Do you trust Fresno to stop a running attack? That's the question because I do think that you know the Bulldogs' offense will probably be a little bit better than you know than it was last year but at the same time there are just too many questions about this defense that i still have that we'll get into when we start talking more at length about fresno state but i have this one as a new mexico win i'll just leave it at that yeah i i think it'll be that case as well i'm surprised there i thought the mexico would be maybe flip this round because bill Connolly s&p plus 46 percent win probability i figured i'd flip that like maybe 53 54 for new mexico but and the Lobos are coming off a bye before this game, so I think they're going to... The Mexico should get a victory. Then they go to Colorado State. They're at home versus Colorado State. They are. Dream style. Each stadium, don't forget that. we got to plug that to make help them get their money's worth there in Albuquerque. <laughs> 20% chance of victory in this game, which sounds about right. Well, I don't know because that Boise was nine percent chance, and this is at home and twenty percent chance. Well, if you all out there listened to our Colorado State preview, you would already know that I have this one as a New Mexico win. Uh oh, stupid upset pick. Probably. <laughs> Question mark? He says. Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I mean, and this is uh, this is something that could easily backfire on me. But I feel like this is an instance where, you know, New Mexico's prowess on offense could, you know, make up for the fact that they're going up against a relatively soft defense. You know, it, it's not going to be as good as Boise's. It's not going to be as bad as, you know, let's say Fresno's, we just talked about. But I mean, Colorado State, like we talked about it during that podcast, like it's still a little dicey. I think to me, and I feel like this is one of those things where if there's a place where the Rams trip up, this is probably it. Cause you feel like you're very accurate. Cause last year, remember that people were wanting Marty English to be fired last yeah. year. Like, even if you look at yards, like over, I'm looking at their overall defense last year, Colorado game was terrible. UTSA, they was their best game by far. And then that in Fresno state, despite for what they did, they still gave up over six yards per play, which is not very good. They were still, despite the second half of the season doing how well they did, they outscored teams. They 
gave up 30, over 30 points to San Diego State. And San Diego State's offense is extremely explosive. They were just middle of the pack, and those yards per play was actually, like, well, I guess still middle of the pack. I thought it would be a little bit worse, but despite for how much praise they got for playing better the second half of the year, defense was still just mediocre. And so they could maybe they'll slip back and something will happen and they give up a ton of yards on the ground versus New Mexico or just stuff happens during the year to lose the confidence or who knows. They get, they allowed almost seven yards per play versus freaking UNLV, man. Come on. I mean, I think that – like I'm, I'm thinking about Colorado State – I don't think it's the kind of thing where New Mexico is going to win this game handily. I feel like this is the kind of game where if New Mexico wins, it's going to kind of sneak up on them. Like it's the kind of game where they'll, both of these teams will probably score 40 points. And if it's you know New Mexico keeping Colorado State at arm's length, whether it's because of a turnover or a turnover on downs or something like that, that's kind of how I see this game going. So what was your record for Boise State over the whole year? What was your predict- prediction for them? Uh, it was 9-3 and three and then 5-3 and three in conference. What was your Colorado State overall? 10-2, 7-1. So despite you thinking CSU has a better overall year, you're more confident than Mexico pulling the upset than Boise State. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. That's okay. We all, we all have picks like this. I, I made my... Part of part of me has to stick with it because I made the pick in January. Rams are going to win the conference, so I guess I got to stick with that. Write it out. Correct? The Mountain Division is really hard to predict. I'm just going to say that again. <laughs> no, it is. Yes, because yeah, there is one year we predicted would everybody go to a bowl game. Not not the case. Yeah. <laughs> and look at like Wyoming well, last year. Like what the what are they doing? What's this? The Mexico back to back division or code or tri champs or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. and Lobos can do it with like again it all comes back to them having a unique offense you don't see every week and it's very successful and it's hard to stop you can't who's gonna I know the Rams have a great running attack with the Izzy Matthews Dalen Dawkins and potentially Marvin Kinsey at this point in the year I don't know how much he'll play with a knee injury they have the uh, the running attack to practice this but who on the scout team for the for the Rams is going to be able to emulate Tyron Owens, Lamar Jordan? Like these, they're going to put a safety back there during practice to run this offense. That's it's a difficult thing to come around and play. It's like when teams play Navy or Air Force always like Air Force plays Michigan this year. Air Force is not going to win, but they'll give Michigan a handful for maybe two quarters, maybe three quarters, just because of the uniqueness of the offense. Mm-hmm. But I pick. Um, New Mexico to uh, lose to CSU. Next game to go to Wyoming. How is it this game is a better chance of the Lobos winning than at home versus CSU? Why would the numbers say that? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the skill position talent that Wyoming is losing. Like, yeah, they are going to have Josh Allen back, but they do have to replace, you know, Brian Hill and Tanner Gentry, Jake Mallhart, and all them. I'm predicting Wyoming to win just because going to Laramie is difficult to do so. It is late October, so you don't want to say weather now, but I just don't think the Wyoming, like we've we talked about Wyoming before, I don't think their offense will be as explosive, but I just think they'll, the defense is where I think the Wyoming Cowboys can make a difference, like with Logan Wilson for a second year there, even the safety like Andrew Wingard. Yeah, he's not a huge impact in the running game, but he had a lot of tackles last year. And I just think, I think New Mexico, they... 
they're just too streaking up and down for me. I just trust Wyoming more than New Mexico, I guess. I have New Mexico winning this game too. Man, you love New Mexico. You love Bob Davey. I like their potential to outscore a lot of people this year. I do as well, but they lost 1,200 yards, man, and Tyrone Gibson. Or Tyrone Gibson, excuse me. But they have like three guys who could replace that between them. And then that's what you say until they don't. <laughs> and like I said, I like I, I feel like I'm just hitting the same beat over and over and over again. Like they'll probably give up 30 points, but they could easily score 40 against this Wyoming team. I think it's the case. Yeah, we're kind of re, kind of regurgitating a bit here and there. They play Utah State next week at home. I predict a victory pretty comfortably because Utah State's not what they used to be. Yeah, I have this one as a New Mexico win too. All right, then they go to um, Texas A&M, November 11th, College Station, or also known as um, Week 2 of November is SEC Cupcake Week, or FCS Week, but they're playing the Lobos. Um, Texas A&M is usually not played well late in the year. That's true. I still don't see a victory, but my brother, I'm going to tell my brother, who's a, both of my brothers who are Aggie graduates, to don't sleep on the Lobos because this will be a more exciting game than you think. And they'll blow me off and say, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like when New Mexico, like I said before, when Air Force plays Michigan or Air Force played Oklahoma a few years ago or when they play some bigger talent, talented team, they'll give them fits for a while. And I think Lobos could give Aggies fits, but it's going to be a Texas A&M victory. I would just like to see them scare the crap out of um, the Aggies there. I mean, I think they probably will for like a half or something like that. The thing about Texas A&M is like we don't really know at the moment who their quarterback is going to be. <laughs> Everybody's transferred. Well, uh, well I mean, yeah, because Trevor Knight graduated, I think. But, you know, and they have a really good freshman in Kellen Mond who could start. Or they have, you know, a redshirt guy like Nick Starkle who could start. They do have one of the SEC's best young running backs in Travion Williams. And they have a defense that could be really scary with guys like Otaro Alaka in the in the front seven. But I, I and I'm wondering, like, you know, by the time this game rolls around, are they going to have that quarterback situation figured out? Because if they do, and whoever's under center is as good as Trevor Knight was last year, the Aggies are probably going to win this one pretty comfortably. But it would not surprise me if it were closer than. You know, many of the national prognosticators expect it to be for about a half or so. I, I bet the line will be like Aggies by 31 points or something. We should see because we're going to be in Las Vegas in a couple of days. Well, we'll be there by the time you hear this. Um, I don't know if there's a line set on this game, but if it was, uh, say, A&M by 28, would you take the Lobos to cover? I would probably take New Mexico minus or plus 28, yeah. You'd do that? Okay. Would you take um, our good buddy Parker Robertson, Aggie, Utah State guy, Wisconsin, Utah State's 20 and a half. Would you take Utah State to cover or not? He's going the other way. I would not. You would not? Are you, okay, are you, well, let's finish this and we'll talk. Well, we're going to, yeah, this is a good point to talk about this. Let's wrap this up real quick because we need to have some conversations at the end because this will be dropping while we're in Las Vegas soon. So next week, uh, UNLV at home. Um. Armani Rogers is not Cam Newton for the record. I just want to state that out there. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> never. I will go under. I'll say never going to be Cam Newton. Okay. Um, I'm, 
I'm picking the Lobos to be victorious. They're at home. Yeah, UNLV's weird and can score a lot of points, like see Wyoming game last year. Assuming wide receiver is healthy, they have Devontae Boyd back there. Probably him and Michael Gallup are top two, top four receivers, Cedric Wilson in that mix. Lexington Thomas, Charles Williams, running game could be there. I'm I'm listing a lot of positive things, despite saying New Mexico is going to win at home. <laughs> yeah, I mean they could. I mean UNLV can run the ball. We know that. You know the quarterback situation for the moment is still mostly unsettled, and they have probably even more questions on defense than New Mexico does. So what are you saying? What's your? Well, what's I have this pick? one as a New Mexico win. Yeah. All right then. Final game. Which could be quite interesting. New Mexico and San Diego State. I'm going with the Lobos to lose this game. But I think their 15% chance of victory is um, overblown. Because I don't care what San Diego State does. They don't see an offense like this all year. Because I believe I know they play Boise State, but it's not the same. And I believe they miss Air Force as well this year in the cross-division game. I have to double-check that, but... I think the Lobos will give them fits, but not being not able to get a victory because that three three five Rocky Rocky Long was at New Mexico. Come on, he knows what's going on, right? Or I mean, Bob, yeah, um, yeah, Rocky Long. Sorry, I was gonna say some random other coach, but Rocky Long will want to get paid, not payback, but just say, "I'll take care of you guys. You guys are nothing." <laughs> you would think so. Uh oh, where are you leaning? Are you going Lobos victory? Yes, I am. What? You're having them beat San Diego State, Colorado State, and Wyoming? Yes, I am. You want to know why? Yes. Tell me why. Because good running teams can beat this Aztecs defense. If you look at what, you know, Wyoming did in their first matchup last year. Granted, you know, they only averaged, you know, 3.9 yards per carry, but they ran for over 200 yards against this defense. Colorado State, the very next week, blew them out of the water with their three-headed attack. And even when they won, you know, the conference title back in 2015, Air Force averaged over 6.5 yards per carry. You're right when you said that they don't face this kind of offense very often, but when they have, when they have faced a really run-heavy defense or offense, even in the last couple of years where they've had this killer elite defense, they've struggled. You know, they struggled against Navy in the bowl game back in 2014. They, you know, struggled against Nevada when they were still a pretty good running team back in 2014. And I feel like, you know, New Mexico is really a tricky matchup in that regard. Like, and if the, and if the Aztecs have the division wrapped up at this point, is this game kind of like last year's Colorado State game where everything was already wrapped up and they just got blown out? Like, I could definitely see that happening. However, what if the Aztecs were like 11-0 fighting with South Florida for that uh, New Year's Six Bowl game? Well, then they'd better hope that they can know how to defend the triple option. <laughs> just saying. So you say a victory for the Lobos. So what's your overall record for New Mexico then? My overall record is 8-4. and four. And six Ooh. and two in the Mountain West. I got six and six overall, and losing um, four games in conference, losing to Boise, CSU, Wyoming, and San Diego State. Interesting. We're kind of we we've been pretty close on most of these games, most of these teams. This one's a two game swing, as is 
uh, San Diego State, where I picked them twelve and zero, and I think you picked them ten and two, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have yours in front of me, but going bowling again for the third straight year is a pretty good, uh, pretty good, right? Uh, yeah, I, would def- I mean, for a team like New Mexico that hasn't really gone bowling all that often, absolutely. For sure. All right, so we get some questions this time. So we get the questions really quick. Let's do it. This is from our. They found us again. They I, they found us over here at MWC Wire. The good old folks at the ESPN affiliate in Albuquerque. Uh, let's see here, my notifications. I got Tweet Deck. I have too many options up here. I did see your Derek Carr retweet. I apologize, Fresno State people. <laughs> I was going with what I know at the moment, I guess. All right, so a couple questions we had I put out there. One was, will there be a game, or what game, will will there be 150 yards passing for one New Mexico quarterback? Or will there be a game? Or no, no, their question, sorry. They didn't specifically say Lamar Jordan. Here, I found the question here. Will the Lobos have a game in which they produce 150 throwing yards? Yeah, probably. They did it three times last year. I replied back with "Don't get greedy," but <laughs> what what game? If you had to pick, let's say the most likely game, what do you think it would be? Would it be New Mexico States? Would it be cheating Maybe. to say Abilene Christian? No, but you can go there if you want. How about we exclude them just for this exercise? Okay, so then I think the next likeliest one. I mean, it might be a game where they're playing from behind at some point, so probably a team like Tulsa or Air Force or something like that. Air Force? Interesting. I would say Tulsa, maybe te- Tulsa, maybe Texas A&M. And see, I don't think t- I don't think they would be able to have that much success through the air against a team like the Aggies. I, I know, but if they're down so big, well, it, it's double-edged sword. If you're down so big. Why run an offense you don't normally do and throw every time? If it's somewhat close, okay, maybe that makes sense there. I'd probably likely say, I think Tulsa, because there'll be a lot of possessions, could be a close game. Tulsa might pull out, even though I have a victory for, oh no, sorry, loss. I have my spreadsheet backwards here. It's a loss, but I think it's a chance where there's there's going to be a lot of possessions in this matchup. So it's a Tulsa. For the record, by the way, last year they threw for over 150 yards against South Dakota, Rutgers, and Utah State. Make of that what you will. They get Utah State to get it home. I would say Tulsa, most likely. All right. Next question. How many uh, QBs will start for Lobos this year? One. I'm going with one as well, even though I replied back with our good old Quinterback. I mean, the only exception is if Lamar Jordan happens to get hurt at some point, then of course you're going to have someone else under center. But I fully expect him to be the guy in Albuquerque this year. I don't, yeah, I don't think he'll be benched unless, like you said, it's injury or some suspension or something happens. It won't be for anything he does on the field. He'll be good enough to earn that starting job every week. Yeah. Another question um, from Cherry and Silver News on Twitter: Do you guys think New Mexico has a shot at playing in the Mountain West Championship? Yes. Matt does. does. I do not this year, unfortunately. So you say eight and four, so that would put them six and two. That'd probably be some sort of tie. They'd have to have a tiebreaker, and with your victories, unless it's versus Boise State, they're going to get in. It seems like right. If it's Boise somehow goes five and three in league play, mm-hmm. we'll go over all these later on for conference and non-conference uh, or division. And overall records for like, oh, who's going to be our division champ or conference champ? So 
Matt says yes, I say probably not. All right, so this week, we're going to be in Las Vegas. You, me, and Eli. Are there any games we need to put money on, folks? Should we put this out early enough so people can get that information? Yeah, why not? You can tweet at us at MWC Wire or, you know, at us individually at Jeremy Moss or Matt K underscore FS. Is there something you're eyeing? Or do you, did you have any plan to do that while we're there this week? Uh, assuming I have the time, yes. I would totally bet the under on Fresno State wins. What is it, four and a half, right? I believe so, yes. Is it the one, because um, be, we're going to be at the, at the uh, Mandalay Bay. Bay. Yeah, that's where we're staying. Oh, yes. That's where the thing's at. So if you look at the over-unders, I don't know what the Mandalay Bay is, but if you look at, I know I got a Phil Steele because he had the South Hotel, I think is what it's called. No, they got so we're gonna, everywhere. Yeah, it's probably the same. I did put an article on Patreon for our picks, so if you want to give a few bucks, you can hear our, see our picks exactly, and our complete slate of wins and loss totals. So thank, you're welcome, I guess. I think the most likely, you're going to go for Arizona State. They're four, so you'd say under. I think it's pretty likely. I would go Hawaii over at four. Isn't that pretty, like, a safe bet? I would also go Nevada way under. <laughs> way under at three and a half? <laughs> and since we're talking about the Lobos, I would probably go over with the Lobos as well. Lobo, yeah, Lobos are sitting at five and a half. I don't know. That's so risky. I did say this in the post I wrote. Stay away from UNLV and Utah State. UNLV's five and a half. Utah State's four and a half. Yeah, we can talk about we can talk about that more at length later. Should we do our Facebook Live on this when we all meet up? <laughs> Picking games? And force, Eli, and force Eli to make football picks? Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> we'll do that. But if you have any tips for us, yeah, send us on Twitter. We'll put this up. Uh, I'll put this up Wednesday morning a little bit earlier because that's when we'll be there. So we'll have some time Wednesday and Thursday. Any uh, tips, we'll do it on Twitter as well. But maybe we'll make a random week one parlay or something. But we'll figure something out. But our show tonight... Thank you for listening to everyone who downloads. We are still at MWC Wire. Search us. So if you're new to the show, thank you for finding the show. Let us know how you found the show, if it's just kind of a happenstance or Twitter or something. And what they did notice, um, we have two feeds on iTunes somehow and Stitcher. They should both get every show. But if not, if you're really concerned, if you're on iTunes, the Mountain West Wire one with 14 reviews, I would say it's the more safe one. But they should be pretty good. I know you, Matt, you said you had some trouble on Pocket Cast or something, but just check our Twitter feed. That's where the show will be at. Our Blog Talk Radio is where we're at. So you can't miss us there, right? You just may have to um, take 10 seconds to figure it out, right? Yeah. And we forgot to give shout-outs last week. We promised shout-outs. So you ready ready for shout-outs, Matt? I am always ready for shout-outs. You know one from today, correct? You know one, right? Signed up today? Yeah, Cameron Worrell, former NFL player, former Fresno State Bulldog, and uh, I believe current sideline analyst for the Bulldogs radio broadcast. I believe, I believe was. Didn't he also do CBS March Madness as well for them one time? I'm not sure. I remember one guy that I forget who it was, but thank you for that. We also have uh, Mark Ridley. Thank you. Lori Baca. Thank you very much. Frank Sayers. And our good buddy who writes for us, Andreas Chavez, decided to give us five bucks. Nice. I guess he wants to get a return on his investment for writing with us. <laughs> He'll break even, I guess. So contribute five dollars and get five dollars back down the road. Couple others, um, Jordan PD, who does a lot of commenting on basketball. So I don't know the odds of him listening. I assume it's to him because he always comments on our hoops posts. We also got Victoria White, John of Valenzuela, 
Connor Hope, another hoops guy. Steve Johnson and Tyler Cleaver. Thank you very much. Also, give a shout out to Matt Zemick who's, and Matt McIver, who also, um, they're technically at the $1 level, but they're doing more than that, so thank you very much. And give us a buck. Are we, do we, are we begging too much for this, Matt? Is that the case here? Or are we wanting to be compensated for maybe some fun we're doing? It is never enough. <laughs> never enough. You want extra burrito money, right? That's what we want. No, we just want money to be able to do cool stuff for our listeners and our readers. True. And like we said before, we would like to do that. It would maybe get some better equipment, which our equipment's okay. It could be better. We can always do some fun stuff, travel to games, if that's the case. And again, seriously, like all of our stuff will be free. We get, we'll get we get stuff from collegefootballnews.com once we're up there. But this will help us more directly and get you guys involved to do some fun stuff as well. So if you have ideas, let us know. If we do Q&As, you'll be first in line. If we do our weekly power poll, you can be involved in it. Stuff like that. Maybe even join the podcast. That'd be cool, too. Well, I don't know. Is it? Would it be? We'll say yes to get people enthused, right? Yes. So that's our show for tonight. Check us out again. iTunes, Stitcher, um, TuneIn. Remember, again, search Mountain West Wire. And by the time this is up, it should be collegefootballnews.com backslash MWCWire. We'll also be on the front page of CFN as well. So if you're familiar with Pete Futak, you'll see our, all our work mixed in with there basketball, baseball. I think we're going to do some sort of Aaron Judge watch, or at least you might be. Maybe? I could certainly try. Rookie of the year, man. He's already passed Jody Maggio for home runs for a Yankee as a rookie, so that's pretty good. Newly minted and, home run derby champion. About to get there. It'll be old news by the time you hear this, but it's new to us because it just ended shortly ago. So, that's our show for tonight. Um, again, this is our New Mexico preview. Next week, Fresno State. And as always, yes, we're biased against your team. <laughs>